Welcome to Built in the Bluegrass, a podcast dedicated to cool stuff made in Kentucky. We want to share with you how it was made, why it was made, and the story behind it. And now, here's your host. All right, good afternoon, everyone listening to uh, Built in the Bluegrass today. We have today with us Angie King and Tony Alexander from Mike Alexander Dies from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. They got some pretty cool signs behind them right now for those of you who are able to watch the video, not just listen to the audio. So we do have two people with us today. They're going to be tag teaming the conversation uh, to tell us a little bit about what they do again right here in your own Kentucky backyard. So uh, Angie, Tony, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Doing excellent. So we will start off here just to get a general background on yourselves. Um, I hope you're familiar with the show that what we want to do is talk about your business, highlight your business, what makes you tick, what makes your business keep going, why it's going to stick around, why you're here in Kentucky, you know, how it's unique, and then a little bit about what you do every day. So uh, tell us a little bit about Mike Alexander Dyes and yourselves. Um, Mike Alexander Dyes was started by our father, Mike Alexander, um, in 1984, right here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he was working for a foam fabricating company uh, and was making their in-house steel rule cutting dies, which we can go into later exactly what those are. Um, probably, probably needs a little explanation. So yeah, yeah <laughs> not everybody knows what it is. Um, and he was doing, there was a lot of business here, um, other companies that were wanting him to make their cutting dies as well for them to use on their equipment. So he branched out and started his own company. Um, it's been here ever since. So he was basically working for a bigger company, found a niche in a market that they were either doing or not doing well enough and felt the need to start a business and go on his own. So, right. so the market's probably not a lot different. Um, I'm not gonna say it's not a lot different than it is than, than today, but probably other people do what it is that you do. So tell us exactly how that niche came to be. So steel rule cutting dies. That is four words in the English language that the average person is not going to know why they are four in a row. So explain that to us. Steel rule cutting dies. Explain just what it is that actually means. <laughs> okay. So we'll start from the beginning. It's you have a piece of wood and you'll have a, a steel rule knife in it, which would cut a product out, whether it be foam, corrugated, um, gaskets, rubber, any of that type of material. So basically it would be like Angie said, a cookie cutter for a type of product. We would make a prototype and the our end customer would use it to produce mass production of whatever it is they want. Okay. So I want to make a, <clears throat> I don't know what an example would be, but some bicycle part that comes on that it's made out of a rubber cylinder and I need to mass produce that, but it needs to be a special make because it's, you know, a new type of bike. And I say, Hey, here's what I've drawn up. Here's what I think to make work for this exact assembly. Here's what I need you to make. And I just give you a CAD drawing or I just draw, I give you a drawing of what I'm thinking. I bring the bike in to show you how does that process get started? Um, actually all of the above for what you just said, we, we have some of our customers, uh, the larger companies that produce mainly boxes, uh, they all have their own designers in-house, so they design and create their box of how they want it. Uh, they send, once they get that approved, then they send that to us, and we can produce the tooling from there. We also have customers that hand-sketch a drawing, send it to us, and say, here, I need this part. Um, we also have people that will bring in an actual part 
that says, you know, I need you to recreate this part on a cutting die that I can take back to my facility and cut out these parts on some type of machine. Got so there's it. multiple types of machines and, you know, depending on what the customer's equipment is, will determine on what type of die that we make. Yeah. So, I, so you're having to deal with marketing teams and engineering teams, which from my experience are vastly different personalities and vastly, <laughs> yes, they are <laughs> vastly they different are. concept or uh, conceptual ideas, as well as, you know, the whole, Hey, we understand what budgets mean for this versus that. Uh, so Correct. yeah. So as far as whenever I bring you something, you know, why mm -hmm. am I bringing it to you? You know, are all tool and die makers the same? And I guess you all may aren't even considered necessarily a tool and die maker. So it's a term I'm familiar with from Correct. growing up, but you know, what makes you, or where are you really cutting edge or where are you, do you feel that your business, you know, Hey, you're not going to be able to do as well as us because this is our area of expertise. Tell me a little bit about why that's going to continue to be the case or is currently okay. the case, or maybe it isn't. Yeah. So basically in Louisville or actually in Kentucky, we would be the only steel roll die manufacturer, um, which makes us unique. Um, we've bought out our competitions in the years past. Um, to just grow our market share. Um, our other territories that we try to enter into are other steel rule die manufacturers, um, which our competitive price, our, you know, quality craftsmanship, you know, exceeds what the current customers in that territory are receiving from their local vendor. So we've been very fortunate to pick up new accounts and new territories by just getting into their markets. So the signs you have behind you, are those a yeah. typical example of, you know, what it is you're doing? Cause that doesn't look like something that would necessarily be, be mass produced. That's more while well, I'm talking about the, the rebel yell oh. and the, and the other stand up. but yeah, go into the box. Yeah. So as she's unfolding, uh, this is a, a customer of ours, the end user is Shady Rays, which is a sunglass company. Um, so they cut this out. So we made the tool that would cut these out and also prints on the box. Okay. So this is very unique because the box is actually white and they just flood coated this with black. So it makes their, you know, product stand out when they ship it um, to, you know, people who buy sunglasses that they'll know that this is their box. Got it. So I understand, I understand the product and I think I, I've got the idea behind, okay. you know, how it, uh, what you all cut out, but explain to me how you take it from it's produced in my shop to I ship it to you. So I, I go out and I build a multi-thousand dollar machine that's going to produce this product. I build the whole prototype or the, you know, it's made out of steel and wood and it's this big expensive machine. And then you're going to use it to constantly produce things. Is that what you all are producing is the actual machine or the, the, the stamp that's going to go to them? Or are you just giving them the prototype of what it looks like for their CAD system? How, you know, what are you sending to them and what are the sales process of what are they taking away from your outfit? So they're, they're actually taking the, the cutting die that would cut that out. So the customer will receive um, paper or corrugated a certain sheet size hmm. They would strap our tool on to the machine and then they would run the boxes, you know, thousands, millions of them at a time. So you're just, so whenever you're saying that die, you're meaning the actual thing that is cutting the piece. You are, you're physically building it and selling it to them. Correct. Correct. 
they have the equipment already in their facilities to, there's multiple types of equipment that can do die cutting. So we make dies that are on a flat die cutter. So it's a flat piece of wood with steel knives in it. And we also make what they call a rotary die cutter, which is a curved piece of wood uh, that has the steel knives in that as well. Got it. So like my, uh, my two-year-old has a bunch of different Play-Doh and you're building them a dinosaur and they're building them a tree and you're building them a star and yep. you're building them a house. Correct. And then they, they just Correct. take the stencil from the house and they, they take it to their Play-Doh machine. Correct. Got it. So as far as you mentioned Louisville a couple of times, I guess, you know, obviously your, your father was here, you all live here. You know, what is, what has made it work being in Louisville, Kentucky? Is there one of you in Indian, Indiana? Is there someone too in Chicago? You know, how, how unique is it what you do? Meaning you're here. Do you have to be here? Could you be anywhere? You know, is there a reason you've stayed in Kentucky? Um, we could be anywhere. Um, there are other dye companies in Indiana. There's some in Tennessee. Um, but Louisville, it's, it's unique in itself because it's right here in the center. I mean, you've got interstates that can go everywhere. So access for us to be able to deliver product, you know, our dyes to our customers. We can, you know, hop on 64 and go east and west. We can get on 65 and go north and south. So the location of Louisville being in the center with UPS being right here, um, there are a lot of customers in the surrounding area as well for the for the same purpose of of serving UPS and some of the other larger companies that are in Louisville. Got it. So what you know you mentioned UPS and UPS has been a a great um I guess accessory or many reasons why people have either stayed here, come here. Uh, you know, you referenced that we can be on 64 and you know, the, I don't remember what the stat was, but whenever Fisher was building all the hotels, the 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 study was that you know this was within three-fourths of the U.S. can be here in an eight-hour drive or something something of that right. nature. So what is it that your business tracks? So whenever the economy is good, uh, obviously people do better. Does that work for you? Do you all track you know people who are just coming out with new products? Is it whenever something new happens that you know somebody comes to you or they're refreshing their marketing efforts? What is it that really drives whenever you all get new clients or new clients come to you for new things? What would be a catalyst behind that? Well, you mentioned the economy, and I think the it's always been corrugated, you know, has always been a very good indicator of how the economy is doing. So we notice when when the corrugated companies start to slow down, then you can usually tell within a month or two the economy is starting to slow down. When the, when the be, corrugated comes up, the economy seems to come up right with it. What would be an example of a corrugated company? So explain that to the average listener who so. Corrugated, you know, is the fancy word for cardboard, your cardboard box. So, so if you're around a corrugated guy, do not say cardboard. That'll, <laughs> that'll fire them up. Um, so basically like International Paper, um, Georgia Pacific, West Rock, all those have Got paper it. mills which produce corrugated. Cool. So you're saying uh, the people who get shipping containers or they get you know, yes. thing. The, the people who are able to get the boxes that ship us our goods that make it to the grocery shelves. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and we talk to a lot of companies that deal with logistics and you talk about the first people who can tell you in a slowdown in the economy is like, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening where this place isn't shipping it out. You know, yeah, you're saying right. you all touch it because they're, you see it before it even makes it to the truck. You're seeing Correct. it because, Hey, they're just not making it. They're not ordering these, they're not ordering these products right now. There's something's happening with, with the economy. 
Got it. So it's not so much a new product that is the biggest thing that keeps you all going. It's just keeping your existing customers and people coming to you for things that maybe already exist and they're just coming with slight slight tweaks. Is that fair to say? Correct. Or if they want to update it or, you know, make a new print on the box or anything like that. So I'm our customers are a lot of repeat business. We have a lot of repeat customers. They're they're generally not one, you know, they don't order one time from us and then that's it. They're usually people that we've, you know, most of our customers we've had for 30 plus years. So if there's a brand new, wouldn't be Pepsi can, but there's a brand new Wheaties box that comes out every now every time that that happens, you are updating that and giving them a new, you know, system that has to bleed out or that creates the new new design that marketing has designed for. Correct. Correct. Got it. So tell me just one thing that you wish more people knew about your business. That's like, uh, obviously, you know, we you know, touched on that not all of them are the same or that, you know, this is our expertise. But I mean, it's one of the things that we reference, it's actually in our trailer and our uh, you know, teaser that talks about is that people a lot of times don't understand that whenever they look around them, everything had to go from a raw material had to be manufactured, made by someone into the product that you are using today, whether it's this computer, this microphone, this piece of paper, this ink pen I'm writing with. You know, someone took it from something to to know, you know to make it what it is. What is something Correct. you wish more people knew about you know, your business? Because I don't think about whenever <coughs> I buy uh, a new chair or a new computer, guess what I do with the, ta- the cardboard box that comes in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rip it open and throw it away. It it could have been anything on the cover of it. I guess, yeah, that's the marketing of it. But what is there something you wish more people knew about? Yeah, just, I mean, that just exactly what you said. You know, everybody gets Amazon boxes to their house, right? They open them up, throw them away. So, like, the time that it took to print that box, to, to cut that box out, you know, bands, you know, strap it on the band and get it on a skid and ship it on the truck. You know, people don't think about that as well as like displays that you see in stores and liquor stores and Walmarts, all those in cab displays, you know, it took a lot of time to print those and die cut them and actually make the cutting die, you know, from us. So. Yeah, that's, that's fair to say, because that is, you know, a lot of people that we talk with on the show or they feel like, you know, what we do every day, people don't pay attention to, but you know, that's everything. You know, the only thing people really pay attention to is the end product in which they're using. That doesn't, they don't pay attention to the paint or the chip, you know, or the box it came in or the truck that it came on to get here, or the raw material it's made out of or what the, the, the ingredients that are within it. So, yeah, that is the, we always want to talk to highlight those things because people have to understand to make the whole world go around. We have to have each of these things. It wouldn't be able to be shipped if we took, you know, every bottle of Rebel Yell and didn't have it in a box. You know, we wouldn't be able to ship right. 5,000 of them at a time if it wasn't you know broken down in some capacity. So, yeah, so talk. To me, just as we wrap up the show here, a little bit about who you want to work with. So you mentioned, you know, you have repeat customers, but what is an industry that you feel um, that you could really provide some services to that maybe you all haven't broken into? You know, we do a lot in Kentucky with uh, aerospace. You know, those are typically unique products. Maybe that's not the, the exact business you want to be in. But, you know, hey, whenever Old Forster goes out, it probably goes out 5,000 cases at a time. So you know, tell us you know, some businesses you'd like to do a little more, you know, a little more work for or some industries. We have, um, we also have other things that we can do as far as we have a water jet, you know, this uh, cutter that will cut parts out. Uh, we can do production parts, prototype parts. 
So any sort of, um, you mentioned the aerospace and the other places, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they're getting from far away that with us being right here in Louisville, um, we might be able to get them, you know, better service for sure and quality. So you've touched on something there that I'm not familiar with. The water jets, what the, so that gets cut out by water? Is that correct? correct. Yeah, it's uh, it will cut the machine we have will cut up to seven inch thick steel. Um, but we have like it's we got it for our own in house use. It does cut some products for us that we use internally, but we also offer that service to our existing customers, and we do try to get some other new customers involved with that to get that machine, but. Some of our customers that something they can't cut on the machine that they have in their house, whether it be because of the design or the material, then they can get, let us, you know, cut it out on our, our water jet machine. And it is a machine that cuts with water. So water can cut something that a diamond blade can't. Nice. And yeah. I've, I've not seen that in action, but I'll bet a water cut probably hurts just as bad as the rest. Of the yeah. You can uh, lose a finger on it. Yeah. That's for sure. That's the truth. <laughs> so, uh, I want to get in touch with you guys. I, I do business in Kentucky or Southern Indiana. Uh, how do I reach out to you? Who do I reach out to? Where are y'all located, et cetera? We've said Louisville, but you know, give us a little more specifics and who they need to get in touch with. So we're located downtown, uh, 1134 West Kentucky Street, um, in the heart of downtown Louisville. Um, you can check out our website, which is uh, actually getting updated as we speak, uh, www.madies.com. Um, or just feel free to give us a call at 502-515-2777. Awesome. And that's what we want to talk about today. This is exactly the things that we want to highlight. Businesses that are happening right here in our Kentucky backyard that had, you know, we had no idea that most of this is even, you know, done. If, you know, whenever you think about a Wheaties box, I always thought, hey, you know, the Wheaties company is producing it. You know, we're not, <laughs> you know They're doing it themselves. You know, the packaging company, the, the people that are actually doing it, why would I have a need for expertise when I could just create this myself? You know, as you can see, you know, there's a lot more to it. You know, businesses are made, you know, they're created to do what it is they do well, and they're creating prototypes. They're creating the, you know, the actual, I guess, the word you used earlier, the, the exact die, the, the cutout or the prototype or whatever it may be that yeah. is used and, you know, for the end user. So uh, that's another episode of Built in the Bluegrass. Thank you, Angie and Tony, for being with us today and talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Built in the Bluegrass. We hope you're leaving this episode with a better understanding of the cool stuff made in Kentucky. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notified as new episodes become available. Until next time.